0: All right. Are you ready to get into the word? All right. Me too. I'm calling this 2020 vision for 2020. Um, I've heard 2020, but I'm just going with 2020. I just think it kind of rolls off the tongue. It's really easy. This is one year I don't think I'm going to forget. I don't know about you, but it almost takes me a good solid month after the change of the year to stop writing the wrong year. Yeah. I don't know what that is in me, but anyway, so 2020 seems pretty easy, but you know what? Um, Has anybody in here ever been told that you have 2020 vision? Oh, okay. So you're probably not a glasses wearer, right? Or maybe once, once upon a time, maybe we had that 2020 vision and I, this is what God has been downloading for me, that this is a new year. It's not only a new year, it's a new decade. I'm looking at that in chunks of 10 (laughs) because I can't believe it. But I've already been doing this position calling for 10 years. And I'm like, where is the 10 years gone? It's been a whole decade. But you know what? When you just keep focused on what God has you, you doing, and I have to say so many times I really didn't know where I was going except for one step at a time. And, you know, the Word of God says that He will give light to your feet. Okay. Now that's not showing me way down the road. It's just showing me the next step and the next step. And sometimes it takes a decade maybe to look back on how many next steps you took and found out, wow, look at where he's brought me to. Now we've got a little bit of a history to look back to. And so it makes me excited for the next 10 years, but then I calculate how old I'm going to be. And it's like, oh my goodness. All right. So God, hurry up. Let's get some more stuff done. All right. (laughs) In the spirit, I'm getting younger every day. But um, a few years ago, uh, oh, I'm going to challenge you this morning. I think I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions because it takes me about 24 hours to break it. You know, I have good intentions, but I'm going to challenge you maybe a little differently this morning. Uh, Set, ask God what kind of spiritual goal he might have you set. A couple years ago, I came to a real crossroads, and I began to hear conflicting teaching about certain things. I said, God, I need to know the truth. There is only one truth. Truth is not what you think in your own opinion or what somebody else thinks in their opinion. I said, I want the truth of the word of God, and I want it so deeply into my heart that it's my default setting. And everything that I see, I'm seeing through the lens of truth. And he led me to really study grace. It set me free. To really begin to understand grace, I thought I knew. But there was so much more that he wanted to teach me. And that's another whole teaching. But everything that I do has become part of this lens of grace that I asked him about three or four years ago, God, I want a new default setting. Teach me. I need to know this. I need to know this, not just in my head. I need to believe it in my heart. And so I really believe that each and every one of us, uh, that God can show you something really specific that he wants to show you, and then he'll surprise you all the more. There's so much more that he wants for each and every one of you. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, Allow God to show you. Maybe you just say, God, I'm here. Whatever you want to do is fine with me, and that's good too. But I really believe he really, really wants to do those works in us. And you know what? It's not saying I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going, no, you know what it is? God, I'm going to let you do that in me. That's what it is. Because just changing behavior, that's why New Year's resolutions don't work. But maybe God's showing me, oh, maybe that's why I turn to food for comfort instead of to you. You know, this is just off the top of my head, okay? (laughs) Or maybe I am impatient because I'm really fearful, and that's the way I protect myself. I lash out. God, deal with the root. Show me what. And, and, and deal with the root because I'm going to let you do it. And just do it in me. I know God is so faithful. He wants to do that in you. So I'm just going to throw that out there as a uh, challenge to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into something he wants to do In you in 2020. There's a real good scripture that might give you a few ideas because I think Paul had real clear purpose and set real clear goals. And we find in Philippians 3, verses 10, 12, 13, and 14. I'm going to read these to you. It says, For my determined purpose is, that sounds like a goal, doesn't it? This is my purpose. This is what I'm desiring. This is what I'm going after that I may know him. There's a good one. Progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Wow. How about that for 2020? That's a good one. That I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. It occurred to me that Jesus laid in the grave for three days Days dead and lifeless. But he said, I am the resurrection and the life. So he couldn't help but be raised from the dead because that's who he is. So here he is. We're learning about the outflowing power of his resurrection. And Paul says, not that I now have attained this ideal. I haven't already been made perfect, but I press on. How many in here need to press on in 2020? All right, we need to press on. If you're stuck in 2019 and everything that happened there, even good or bad, you're not going to be moving forward pressing on, pressing forward, Uh, and he continues to say, I've not been made perfect, but I lay hold of, grasp, and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I love that. He's got you. He's grasping you. He's holding you. And then in 13, he says, I do not consider, brethren, that I've captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do. Everybody say one thing I do. This is important. He's narrowing it down. He's boiling it down. There's all kinds of things that we could be pursuing, but here's one thing I do. He said, it is my one aspiration forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward, upward. Our lives are going upward, girls. We're not going downward anymore. We are going upward and onward in Jesus' name in 2020. So throwing that out there is spiritual goals. And I want to talk to you more this morning about what it means to have 2020 Spiritual vision. It's very easy to always be moved by what we see, what we are experiencing, what your senses are telling you. That's a very real world that we live in. You feel pain, and the pain is real. You feel emotions, and emotions are real. Um, Of course, we taste, we touch, all those uh, senses are part of this physical world that God created for us to live in. But I need to remind you that we are not just a physical being. You're really three-dimensional. And oftentimes what happens is we get stuck in the one dimension of judging and calculating everything by our senses, and we forget there's another whole part of us and another whole realm that God also created And this isn't spooky spiritual stuff, okay? (laughs) This is the word of God that you are a three-part being. You are a spirit. That spirit is the part of you that got saved. And I know this is not a new teaching for most of us, but it's just a good refresher. And that's the part of you that is wall-to-wall Holy Spirit. There's no sin there. There's no desire to sin there. It's the resurrection power of God that lives in there, that lives in you because Christ is in you. There is no lack, there is no disease, there's no fear, there's nothing in there but Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That's in you, but that's just a third of who you are (laughs) because we are also a physical being. You live in a body. This body is subject to some of the things going on out there, our aging, uh, sometimes disease and so so those kinds of things. Uh, but not necessarily without the help, obviously, and the healing and the life of God reviving us and, and, and renewing our bodies. And then there's that um, hmm, spirit, soul, and body. Okay. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's separate from your body. And it's what you're thinking. Now, when your thinking lines up with the truth of the word of God, there's a majority in, in control of what's going on, and your body just has to come along for the ride. And that's why when, if you need healing, your spirit is like, yes, I am the healed of the Lord. I, the finished work of Christ lives in me. I have healing in my body. I am healed in Jesus' name. And your, your mind goes, yeah, but why... I still have symptoms. That's not what the doctor said. It runs in my family that we always have this problem and it's still going on in my body. So how can you tell me that I'm the healed of the Lord? We're going to talk about that. What are you looking at? How are you seeing? If you only see and judge truth with your physical eyes, you'll get stuck in the physical world. In the physical realm, experiencing physical things that you might feel like you become a target, and you'll never reach into that spirit realm that supernaturally upsets what is natural because it's a supernatural power of God. But you gotta see it with new eyes. So we need new eyes, not new glasses. We need new eyes, all right? But in Ephesians one, we find out that we do have another set of eyes. And it's found um in verses ten. Nope, that's not a ten, that's a seven. Uh seventeen, I need new eyes. (laughs) So uh and Paul, love Paul. He's praying for the Ephesians and he says, For I always prayed to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, that he may grant you. Now, this is my prayer for you. Every time I read this, I probably tell you this three, four, five, ten times a year. Because this is my prayer, not only for myself, but this is my prayer for you, that God will grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets. Don't we love mysteries and secrets, girls? (laughs) but it's not a secret that you should keep. We should be telling everybody the mysteries and secrets and the deep and intimate knowledge of him getting to know our God. And this is how, by having the eyes of your heart That heart is talking about your spirit girl, the one that saved and is wall-to-wall Holy Spirit by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. And that's who he says, that's you and that's me, his set-apart ones. And so here is the work of the Holy Spirit giving us revelation and wisdom and eyes to see. Seeing your situation, seeing yourself, seeing our world in a completely different way. He promised to flood it with light. And I'm coming against the dryness of my throat in Jesus' name. So there is a second pair of eyes at work here. When our eyes see a situation and we size it up, sometimes it's stamped impossible. This is never going to change. But... God says, uh, excuse me, I specialize in the impossible. Nothing is too hard for God. So which realm are we going to operate out of? Impossible, stuck, end of story. Or are we going to say, God gave me eyes to see this the way you see it, To, to begin to speak it the way I see it from my spirit through your eyes? And I know, I believe that's when things begin to change. The devil wants you stuck in your senses and get lose hope. Say this in the natural, this is impossible, but take the next step. But with God, nothing is impossible. I'm going to make a new declaration based on what my spirit girl already knows. Mind you get in alignment with that and then things have to change anybody tracking with me? All right. I'm trying, I am trying to show you there is no hopeless situation because we have a God of all hope, but we've got to make sure our eyes are in the right place. And I love this story in second Kings six. And here we have Elisha, the prophet, Elisha is making the enemy really mad. He's really ticked off all the enemies of Israel because God tells him the enemy's plans as if it's as if uh, the, the king says, it's as if this prophet is here. And then he hears all of our plans and he goes back to the armies of Israel and they defeat us every time. They're always one step ahead. So he decides, here's a good idea. The king says, I'm going to kill the prophet. So during the night he surrounds the city where they find that the, um, the prophet is staying and it's a King of Syria. His plan is to kill Elisha. So the Syrian King sent horses, chariots, and a great army. And they came in the night, they snuck in And this was their plan, and they surrounded the city. And when the servant of God rose early and went out, behold, (laughs) wow, there's a whole army and horses and chariots surrounding the city. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. That looks like an impossible situation. It's a surprise attack, and it sounds to me they were grossly outnumbered. So in the natural realm, big trouble, army, horses, chariots, and Elisha's servant says to him, what shall we do? And he might as well have said, we're all going to (laughs) die. But I love what God did. And maybe God didn't tell Elisha this time that it was going to happen or maybe he did. We don't really know, but it didn't matter either way because God was going to deliver them no matter what. And so Elisha's servant is freaking out. He's being moved by what he sees. He's being moved by what is true in the natural. And Elisha answered, fear not. <laughs> so knock it off. Don't be afraid for those that are with us are more than those with them. Now the servant probably scratches it. Um, 10,000, 20,000, I don't think so. I think they have a bigger army than us, but that's not what was about to be revealed because Elisha was seeing in that different dimension. He was not only moved by what he saw. That was not the end of the story. There was a bigger God involved here, and then Elisha prayed, Lord, I pray you open his eyes that he may see his eyes were open in the natural but elisha prayed that his spiritual eyes would be open and what happened was so the lord opened the young man's eyes and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about elisha this was what was happening all the while in the spirit realm they were warring angels who we're going to defeat. In fact, that enemy did not know what was about to happen to them. And the coolest thing, you never know how God is going to do. I think he's just so creative. He just has kind of fun. How am I going to do it this time? Hmm, I know I'll make them all blind. Struck the the whole army blind. And they were able, the Israel uh, army was able to round them up and lead them into captivity. So if you get stuck in only what you can see, you might be stuck with that result. But if you're willing to leap into and dare to believe that there is another dimension to see through, it's the eye of your faith and it's the eye of your heart. So when you're surrounded by trouble, it's important to pay attention. What am I focusing on? Where are my eyes? What am I looking at? What am I fixating on? Because here's another good story. King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. Again, He's facing an impossible situation. More than one army is attacking, and um, they found out, again, Syria. Wow, they were, just a, they were just a thorn in their side. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes life comes at us from all sides, too. And we might feel like uh, everywhere I turn, there's something going on, falling apart, problems with my family, problems with our finances, problems with this, problems with that. Now it's my health. Now it's that. So what are we going to do? And what I like to say is in uh, verse 3, it says, and Jehoshaphat feared. Sometimes we get kind of uh, in this legalistic thinking that, oh, if my first response is fear, then the story's over. Oh, man, now I can't be in faith. That's not true, okay? Let's just dispel that myth right there. Because Jehoshaphat said, I'm afraid, But what he did next was the most important thing. Because that was just a temptation to stay in the natural realm. It's a natural uh, emotion to be fearful. Um, I do like this definition, though, of a spirit of fear. I've worked through that in my own life. I believe that the devil uh, had me in a place where. My mind had just been hijacked, uh, especially concerning the safety of my kids. And um, this was when I was a young mom, still having our kids. And I I just, it became a stronghold in my life, fear. I could feel it gripping in a very physical way. And all he had to do was kind of run these thoughts through my mind, certain thoughts, trigger, trigger, trigger. And my response was always the same until I realized one day by the power of God, that is not his domain. I'm taking authority. I'm taking that thought captive. You I am not going to believe that anymore because my God said I don't have to have a spirit of fear to release power love and a sound mind. My mind became very sound and I began to recognize it. But that spirit of fear is different than a fleeting fear because fear will approach you and then you have to instead of reacting you have to respond. We did talk about that, didn't we? And so how am I going to respond to this thing that I could choose to be very fearful about? That's a very sound mind to be able to take a step back and not just automatically run hundred miles down the fear road, because that will leave you uh, running scared and not trusting in God. But Jehoshaphat said, I'm afraid. But his next response, was so cool. Oh, I forgot to tell you my definition. Okay, a spirit of fear, and I got this from Jimmy Evans, it's really long. <laughs> a spirit of fear is a, prof- a negative prophet spirit sent to give you a negative report about your future that God cannot and will not bless. A spirit of fear is a negative prophet spirit. It's trying to prophesy to you what your life is going to look like, it starts to tell you. Oh, that's never going to change. It's always going to be that way. You're going to die. This report, that report, that's what's going to happen in your life. He's trying to tell you uh, like a prophetic spirit to give you a negative report. It's always negative of your future that God cannot and will not bless. The Holy Spirit is a prophetic spirit sent to give you a positive report about your future that God can and he will bless make the choice. What am I listening to? What am I looking at? Okay. So here's Jehoshaphat. He set himself to seek the Lord. He was afraid. He responded by seeking the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout the land and the whole nation came together in agreement and they gathered and they asked for help from the Lord and sought him. And they made declarations. If disaster comes upon us, sword judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple in your presence and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. Where was their confidence? They were stirring themselves up. They were trying to get their vision right. And this is what the king said. He said, oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. He said, I don't have a clue. Don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It is okay to come to the end of yourself and say, God, I don't have a clue don't know what to do in this situation, but everybody say, but God, God. <laughs> get your butt <laughs> in there. My eyes are going to be on you. Walk me through Lord. Cause I don't know what to do. I might just need the next step and then maybe he'll show you two steps, but he will walk you through, but my eyes are on you. He made a choice to see through his spiritual eyes. We don't want to stay in the one dimension of only what is happening, only what we hear, see, taste, smell, touch. I always forget what. But uh, we need to trust a supernatural God who is faithful to come and rescue, revive, and redeem. So here's another set of eyes. We've got to (laughs) hurry. We need to see with the eyes of our faith what cannot be seen with the eyes in your head. I had a friend who was at an Andrew Womack conference. And if you know Andrew, he's got an amazing ministry about healing. He doesn't necessarily line people up and pray for them because he's equipping every believer to receive right where you are, or to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's a powerful ministry, but apparently he, there were people lining up, and he was praying for people at this particular conference before it all began. And she had been experiencing um, ongoing chronic issues. And she came up to him and she says she was excited that he was going to pray for her. And he looked at her and he said, I'm sorry, I cannot pray for you. And she was taken aback, and he said, because you do not see yourself healed. You need to see with the eye of your faith to overcome what the eye in your head is seeing, what your body is feeling. Your healing has already been provided, but you need to see yourself healed before it becomes manifest in your body. It's so easy to see the natural course of, say, the flu. Uh Uh-oh, I've got symptoms. I'm going to be in bed for the next three, four days. Can you not say that this time? And say, I'm going to resist those symptoms in Jesus' name. I'm not denying they're there, but I'm going to deny their right to stay. And I'm going to see this thing, not through the natural uh, course of things, which is Not sin, okay? I'm just trying to say. It is the natural course of things. But we can make a better choice because we're believers in Jesus Christ and the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And he's already provided healing. So I'm going to dip into that river and I'm going to begin to see myself. No, these symptoms can't stay. You know, I might throw up a day. I don't know. But I'm not going to go through the normal course of things. I'm going to choose to see it God's way. I love the scripture in Hebrews 1. We're going to jump to Hebrews 1. Can you put that up for me? Ah. It says, now faith is the assurance, a title deed and confirmation. See, your faith in action is as if someone handed you the deed to a property. This one's yours, you. but you don't see it. No. No, it's about 100 miles away. You're going to love it. There's a nice stream going through it. There's a beautiful home. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to have to do a thing. It's turnkey. I'm going to give you the title deed. It's yours. You don't even have to pay for it. I'm just giving it to you. Now, she's not there. She can't see it, but does it belong to her? Uh-huh, because she's got the paper. She's got the title deed. It has got her name on it. So that's what faith is. It's the assurance. It's the title deed of things hoped for divinely guaranteed. You have a guarantee for your healing. But you do have to position yourself to see it come to pass in your body. All right? I keep going to healing because it's like uh, the easiest thing to measure, right? All right? Either the symptoms are there or they're not. And the evidence of things not seen. Oh, there's where we get hooked up. It's where we get messed up. I'm still seeing it. I'm still feeling it. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, you're still being, you're stuck in the natural. You speak to those symptoms, say, You have no right in my body. I'm commanding my body to line up with the Word of God. And that's the evidence of things that I do not yet see. I like to say, They're not seen yet. But I am, my faith is a conviction of the reality. It's more real to me what Jesus has done for me than the symptoms that I'm feeling in my body. I'm making that choice. I'm seeing it through different eyes. I'm not going to continue to be stuck in this physical realm. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Wow, there's the other dimension. You could be stuck in your physical senses, but we can, as believers in Jesus Christ, line up with the fact that Jesus is your healer. And 2,000 years ago, he took stripes on his back and he took one for you with your name on it. And there's an, I need to say this, never, ever, ever, never is sickness God's way of teaching you anything. It is straight for the pit of hell. And Jesus became a curse for you. And not only did he take your sin, but he took your sick so that you would not have to. He completed the work. There is nothing left unfinished, untouched, undone. Any diagnosis that you have might be true in the natural, but in the supernatural, in the spirit, with the eyes of my faith, I'm going to comprehend and grasp like I'm holding the title deed. This is my healing. And I might not see it yet in my body, but body, you better get going and stop messing around with these symptoms because I'm not receiving it. I'm going to receive as truth. See it and say it. I am the healed of the Lord. I've got it right here. You have to grasp it. You have to grasp it. It is yours for every believer. And you grasp it as a reality, as if it's already happened. But that's faith. That's faith. You don't see it yet, but you believe that it's already been done and it's coming. It's a coming. So we have to switch from our physical eyes and turn on the eyes of our faith. Say what the word of God says about your situation. Don't say what you see. Say what God sees. Ask him to show you his perspective, his eyes. See your finances blessed. See your marriage blessed. See a man in your life blessed, if that's where you're at, a man of God. See your children Coming back to the Lord. I see it. I see it with the eye of my faith. It hasn't quite happened yet. I got one out there. And God's got him. And he's coming. I see it with the eye of my faith. And you know what I can do? What you can do? For any loved one who's not walking with the Lord? You say, man, how come it's taken so long? God, why, God, why aren't you doing your part? God is in full pursuit of that person's heart. 24-7. They just haven't opened it a crack because all they have to do is open it a crack and the Bible says he floods in because light will always displace and dispel darkness. Just takes a crack. It takes a crack. So what we do is we bind the spiritual demonic influence and bind the lies that they're believing so that they have a clear path for God to speak to them because you know what he's going to do? He's going to shower them with his love. It's the love of God, the goodness of God that leads people to change, which is really just repentance, isn't it? The one thing I'm going to encourage you, don't ask God for behavior change. That doesn't last. That's why New Year's resolutions don't last. Ask God for heart change because that's what he does. and Their lives will never be the same. So they get to choose, man, I wish they didn't, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to surround them with a bubble of blessing that's going to help them to draw them and draw them and draw them so that they can hear and see and meet God for the first time, a God of love and not a God of judgment. Amen. So I want to say, there's a phrase that we hear often, it says, seeing is believing Poor Thomas. That's where he was stuck. I'm not going to believe that he's risen until I touch the nail prints in his hands and put my hand in his side. And isn't it just like Jesus to just make that happen for Thomas? You know, but poor Thomas is always going to be called Doubting Thomas. When I get to heaven, I'm just going to give him a big hug. (laughs) Say, I'm really sorry that happened to you, because we all do it. We all do it, but his is like, you know, imprinted in history for all time for us to see. But (laughs) So that's being stuck in the believing, seeing is believing. But in faith, I want to say believing is seeing what you see with your spiritual eyes, with the eyes of your heart and the eyes of your faith is what becomes real in the physical world. And maybe another way of saying that is that when you already see it done, even before this body is responding or the situation has changed or the money has come in or that bill has been paid or wherever it is that we're needing and lacking, when you see it with the eye of your faith, now circumstances begin to line up because faith calls those things that be not just as though they already are. So we don't speak about what we see. Seeing is believing. We're believing in the promises of God so that we will see in the natural what happened. One more quick story. It's really a good thing when you're dealing with people, especially to ask God, how do you see them? Because I know what I think, and they're really ticking me off, and that wasn't fair, and they should never have said that. And I'm going to do something, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Pause. Take a step back. Instead of reacting, let's respond. Say, God, how do you see this situation? How do you see them? Another friend shared with me that a brother had just completely walked away from the Lord, walked away from kids, walked away from his marriage just like threw in the towel on life, didn't care anymore. And the whole family was mad at him. How could you? That's not the way you were raised. And all those things are very natural responses. And she says, I have a problem because I always have everybody over for Thanksgiving and nobody wants him there. But I want him to come. What do I do? I said, well, you know, he's been a real rascal. That's really hard. I mean, I understand. I mean, it's so close Those kinds of things cut deep. You know, those are family issues, and those are some of the hardest things to deal with, some of the hardest hurts sometimes. And so I just simply heard the Holy Spirit say, let's just, he says, ask me how I see him. Because family knew what they thought. And after a few moments with tears, she just said, oh, God just gave me this beautiful picture. He said, I saw Jesus, the good shepherd, and he went out and he found my brother. And he was lying in a ditch, and he was beat up. He was bleeding, and he was dying from his injuries and his wounds. And Jesus didn't turn his back on him. He picked him up. He bandaged his wounds, and he put him over his shoulders like you would carry a lamb. You've seen the picture. And he said, and then my brother turned into a lamb because Jesus would lead the ninety-nine to go after the one. She invited that brother to Thanksgiving. She became part of the family reconciliation instead of joining in the anger and the chaos and the separation that everybody else wanted to do. And that family was restored. That family was restored because God gave her a vision. This is how I see him. He's wounded. He shouldn't have done anything of those things. They were very hurtful. But God's also about that man's heart. And so he went after him. Hey, can we pray? Thank you, Jesus, that we have been given eyes to see, your eyes to see. And as we talk together amongst ourselves, Father God, I pray that you would just reveal some things to us too. Give us new vision. Teach us how to see through those eyes. I'm confident, Lord, that you're going to show us good things here. So we just give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.